Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So it's been a while since I've answered any questions from parents. So today I wanted to catch up on as many questions as I can. So there's some great questions that cover a variety of common parenting challenges and questions. So I'm going to get to those today. Now, when this episode releases, I will have just gotten back from our family vacation. We're actually doing a road trip around the Southwest from San Diego to Joshua Tree to Scottsdale to Flagstaff to Coral Pink Sand Dunes State Park in Southern Utah to Las Vegas and back home. So three nights of camping, five nights of hotels. So if I have any parenting wisdom that pops up during the trip, I'll be sure to share that in the next episode. If I don't, well, then I'll go ahead and answer some more questions or come up with a parenting topic that I feel like is relevant to what everybody's dealing with now. So now to jump right into our first question. Hello, my name is Marley. I'm a new listener to your podcast, so I'm sorry if you've covered this topic before. I was wondering if you could give me some tips about my son. 
He's two and a half years old and tantrums constantly. He's very clingy and wants to be held or on my lap all the time. I try to satisfy him with a hug or a squeeze on the shoulder, but that doesn't seem to work and he cries and gets very mad. He also tantrums whenever he doesn't get his way. He throws and hits and screams. I try to label his feelings and tell him he is mad and even have a mad spot where he can slap the wall to get his anger out. I try to give him a lot of praise when he behaves and try to give him a lot of attention when I can, but nothing seems to make a difference. I know you're against timeouts, but is there anything further I can do to get him to tantrum less? It's constant and I'm at my wit's end. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. So this is a great question that I'm sure will help a lot of parents who deal with this type of behavior to varying degrees. Deciphering toddler behavior can be a bit of an exercise in decoding sometimes, but the more we can understand the nature and the psyche of a toddler, the easier it can become. So to help with this part, I'm going to start out by talking about what it means to be two and a half. Now, this is a little different in each age, two, two and a half, three, three and a half, four, etc. But if your toddler is on either side of this age, it will help you understand their worldview, their experience, their skill level to some degree so you can understand and maybe decode their behavior better. So first, toddlers around two and a half and younger are lacking two things in order to be able to share their feelings in a calmer way. The first is brain development. Their neurological development they need to stay calm when they're triggered by big feelings is still in the early stages of development. So it's like riding a bike. If you've ever seen even a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, but especially a two-year-old, try to pedal and steer a bike at the same time, that's a lot of coordination. They just don't have it on board yet. No matter how much we want to teach them, they're not going to be able to steer and pedal at two or three. You might get a toddler at three-and-a-half who's extremely physically large motor coordinated, they're going to be on the faster end of development. They might be able to do it, but this is a process. So that's the first thing. It's the same with emotional development. It takes a certain amount of brain development, neurological development to be able to manage those big feelings and stay calm or get back to calm more quickly. So that just is going to take time. But then there's also the skill piece on top of that that comes after the brain development is a little more on board. So of course, there's also the individual child's temperament to consider and work with. Some kids do struggle more with the big feelings than others, and it sounds like Marley's son is one of these. So this is hard when your child is still so young and you haven't yet experienced much of their other areas where they actually do excel. So it feels like I just have this child who has big struggles with big feelings. Because this is what's happening at this age. This is what we're working on. This is what we're dealing with is those big feelings. But every child is going to have an area where they're going to excel, if not more than one. And they're going to have some areas where they struggle. So when you see a child who's really struggling with big feelings, I'm sure there's a lot of amazing other talents and gifts that they have. And you'll see as they get older. But it can be tough when all you're dealing with is a lot of big feelings and not seeing some of their really positive attributes and their really amazing skills and um, talents. So hopefully just knowing this, that it's a process and that there, you will see some really amazing things that they will have come on board as they get older that will show you some positives will also help. And then I'm going to do some tips. I'm going to give those shortly that will give some reassurance and make this process easier. Secondly, toddlers and preschoolers are trying to balance security with autonomy. Now, because these are two conflicting needs, 
it can be quite confusing for them. I want to be independent, but I also want to feel secure and attached to my caregiver. So at any moment of the day, they can feel overwhelmed by this conflicting need, this need to push for independence at the same time, the need to feel secure. Which way do I go? What do I do? I want both. I can't be attached to my caregiver and go off and be independent at the same time. So this is a struggle that they're going through also. So they're often going to test their security. What this means is they are checking in to see, are you there for me when I need you, when I need help? Can I trust you will be there for me when I struggle with these big feelings? At the playground or play dates, or even while we're busy making dinner, taking care of a sibling, they will often come and check in or test the security. For play dates or the park, they may be reluctant to leave your side. Now, all kids are different. Some will head off and not look back, while others will hang out and not want to leave, while others will hang out for a few minutes and then head off to play and then come back every so often to check in. All of these behaviors are perfectly normal. What we want to do is meet them exactly where they are, whether it's at a play date, at a park, or at home. We want to help them build that security. We want to send the message, I'm here to support your emotional need to build your trust in the security that I am here for you. Once they feel secure, then they feel confident in exploring more autonomy. Again, every child's going to be different. There's going to be some kids that are going to have more needs for security. Some kids are going to have more need for autonomy. This is going to be a spectrum. But once they feel secure, every child will move more into the autonomy stage than they will security. They'll start to move away and just come back and check in. So this will be a development. So you also want to keep in mind that two and a half is on average the height of the negativism stage. This means when we say go, they say stop. When we say up, they say down or do the opposite of many of the things that we ask. Again, some toddlers are earlier, some are later, but on average, it hits a peak at two and a half. Now, given Marley's son's propensity towards clinginess, I'm going to guess he hasn't hit this peak of negativism yet because he's not pushing for the independence so much as he's looking for the security. So he would likely be a little bit later. I just want to point that out though. But it tends to decline after that peak on average, again, two and a half. And they become more independent and get more opportunities to exercise it. They don't feel like they have to push back so much. This isn't really part of the question. And I have so many other things to cover. But there are ways to also decrease that propensity for that. But that's a different question in case anyone was wondering. Okay, so what this means is instances like this, big emotions, big reactions, is that we want to be there to support the big feelings with what they need emotionally, but without giving in to the reason behind it. This would be in a case of if they're asking for something that is a non-negotiable at that time. So I'm going to break this down into two scenarios since I'm not totally clear exactly the scenario from the question. So Marley mentions he throws a tantrum when he doesn't get his way. So I'm not sure if this means when he doesn't get the connection he was looking for, when he's upset, or he doesn't get to break the boundary that was set around a non-negotiable item like a toy at the store, a snack before dinner, or pushing at bedtime. So these are two different scenarios, pushing for a non-negotiable or getting upset because he wants more connection that he's not getting. So we'll get into both of these. So first, the one if he's not feeling like he's getting emotional needs met and getting some help calming down. So if a shoulder squeeze or a hug isn't enough, this is where offering more is going to be the answer. 
holding, hugging, snuggling when he's getting upset, if this is what he needs or what he's asking for. Now, I know also Marley mentions that he's very clingy, and I do understand this can get exhausting when we feel like we are at our toddler's beck and call. And this is where parenting a child with high needs can be tough. So here's what I can say about that, is that once a high needs child gets their need for security met, they have the foundation and they will be ready and able to begin working on and becoming more independent to growing their autonomy. They just need more of a foundation than other kids so that they're ready to exercise more autonomy. The other thing when we're talking about high needs kids, because this is a high needs situation, if there's a lot of clinginess all day long, if there's a high need for help with emotions and getting upset and not wanting to let go and not wanting to walk away and do much on their own, this is what I would call a high need situation. And it can be very exhausting. So there's some ways to work around that. If you can get extra help, if you can get a break during the day, if when your partner comes home, your husband comes home at the end of the day, he can give you a break. These are when we really need to get some extra help and get some extra support because it can be very exhausting and it's really hard to be present for a child who's high needs all the time. So whatever you can do to get some help and get some support. If you have family in town, that is great. I had a high needs infant. I didn't have a high needs toddler. By the time he hit toddlerhood, he was good to go and ready to become more autonomous. But I went through it with an infant and it's very, very difficult. I did not have family in town. And I didn't really have friends either in town. So it was rough, but my husband did a great job of stepping up at the end of the day and giving me some time and taking some time off of work or coming home whenever he could to relieve me. So that is the answer to some of that is getting some relief whenever, however you can when you're dealing with this high level of clinginess. The other answer, to the degree that you can, you want to be available to hug and hold through the big feelings. So a great question to ask at that time is, starting out with a statement, I can see you're having big feelings right now. Would you like me to hold you while you work through them? Or do you want to work through them on your own? Now, if you have a high needs toddler, they're probably going to want your help to work through them. If you don't, they're going to want to work through them on their own. Either answer is fine. We're going to meet them where they are. I had a Child, I remember specifically my twin son Chandler, when I would ask this question, he always just wanted to work through it on his own. He was also the kid that I would drop him off at preschool and he would just run off to the room. He was never clingy. So he was like the opposite of that. But then his twin sister was a little more high. She wasn't high needs. My older son was high needs as an infant. She was not high needs, but she definitely went through some separation anxiety and she needed more connection during times of tantrums and big feelings. So the hugging and the holding, if that's what they need, will greatly diminish the length of the meltdown. It will also, before too long, reduce the frequency of the meltdowns as well. Because once they feel secure that their need for connection will be met, there is a lot less need to react in such a big way every time. Also, they learn to regulate off of us. So when a child or anyone, an adult too, is having a big reaction, we're in a state of dysregulation. Our neurological system is dysregulated. It's out of sorts. So our connection to our child helps them regulate much faster. If that's what they're seeking, the connection, they will regulate much faster. They will regulate off of our calm, off of feeling loved, 
connected, secure with us. They will come down much faster and easier. And then they will learn to do it on their own much faster. If they're a child that needs physical contact, once they get that, it will bring their nervous system back to regulated state. As I said, much quicker. Now, the other caveat to this is if there is kicking and hitting while we are trying to give them what they asked for, so a hug or a snuggle, then we do want to set a boundary around that. But the kicking and the hitting is usually a reaction to not getting their need of physical connection met. So once they're getting that, there is no longer a need to act out physically and it should stop immediately. But you want to let them know, I would like to help you and hold you right now, but I need gentle hands and feet. If you hurt me, we will have to stop until you can be calm enough to be gentle with me. So now if this were me, I would commit to two weeks of really being present and available as much as possible to help with the big feelings, with hugging, holding, and snuggling as much as he needs. See how much change you see in his ability to regulate shorter tantrums, the frequency of tantrums. See if the level of autonomy, the less clinginess will improve as well. Give it two solid weeks. I'm also going to talk about the second scenario and an additional step that you can try after trying this for two weeks. I'm going to talk about setting a boundary around a want that is a non-negotiable and a tantrum as a response, as well as, like I said, the next step after this, if you don't see much improvement in the situation. Right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. 
At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back, we're going to talk about handling a tantrum due to setting a boundary around a non-negotiable. And then the next step, if it is a need for more connection and you give that for two weeks, really solid, very, very present, very available, and it doesn't get much better, we're going to talk about what that next step would be. So you want to handle the emotional support the same way. You want to offer a hug. I can see that you're really upset that I said no to the snack before dinner. If you would like a hug, if you would like me to hold you to help you calm down, I'm here for you. Would you like a hug or would you like to work through this on your own? So you were there and available to help with the emotional support for the dysregulation, helping them get regulated if they want your help, but we're not changing the boundary of having a snack before dinner. So it sets a strong, solid, healthy boundary that a reaction isn't going to make me change my mind or let you get your way, but I'm always here for you for emotional support. So it sets a very solid message. And then we're gonna stick to our guns with the boundary that we set no matter the tantrum, of course, if they're hitting or kicking, we're going to set a boundary around that, but we're going to let them work through their feelings, know that they are capable of working through their feelings, that they can work through to the other side, to a place of calm without our hugs, if they choose not to take that option. So then I want to talk about the next step. So let's say, regardless, you may want to do this anyway, but let's say that the really being present, two weeks, hugging, holding, snuggling, being fully available, the clinginess, as much as you possibly can without obviously still getting through your own daily tasks and the other things that you need to do. And then hopefully getting some uh, additional support with some relief and with some support through the day as much as you possibly can as well you can do a tantrum chart. So what we do with this is we we take this chart and we write down what the trigger was, what happened right before the tantrum, what the tantrum was, what we're guessing it was about or what they told us it's about, what they're upset about, and then the time of day, and then the duration of the tantrum. So we're gonna keep track of how many tantrums a day. You may wanna do this anyway because you, you may forget how bad it was before the two week period started. And then it may still feel like it's a lot when it actually may be quite a bit less. So the duration of the tantrum, the number of times a day and what the triggers are. So if it doesn't get better, then you can take a look and you can, well, we're still having pretty much the same amount of tantrums. They're really about the same of duration. And you can see what are these triggers. Then you're, you can start working on triggers. So you can, um, 
you know, kids will have particular triggers. And then you want to start working on those with him. Uh, I did a podcast episode with Alyssa Blask Campbell. I don't remember the episode number, but I'm sure if you search Parenting Beyond Discipline, Alyssa Blask Campbell, you can find that episode. She is a specialist in emotional competence, and she gives some really great tips in that episode for ways to work with really young children to build their emotional competence. One of the things she mentions is emotional flashcards. There's a lot of things you can do when kids are calm already. That is when they are going to learn their emotion skills the best, when they're calm. So things like reading books about emotions, flashcards are great because when they're upset and they can't speak because they're in their limbic brain, in their animal brain, the reptilian brain, so they have a hard time getting words out and they don't have a lot of words yet anyway. Pointing to flashcards is easier, but we want to work with them when they're calm get that skill down when they're calm. So when they're upset, they're, it's much easier for them to go back and use that skill once they've been able to practice it during times of calm. So that episode is great. She has some really great tips for working with kids and building that emotional competence because once they build some of that, then these meltdowns also can decrease and get much better. Okay, so I have another parent who wrote in and said, hi, Erin, I love all the work you do. I need help deciding if my four-year-old daughter's behavior is normal or if we need to get a psychologist to help. A typical day involves five to six episodes of intense screeching, kicking, throwing, and hitting. Myself and my husband and her baby brother. For 20 minutes a day, doing the opposite of what I ask and lots of comments about how you are mean, you're not my friend, leave me alone. It's been getting worse and worse over the last 18 months or so, and she's recently started saying unkind things to her classmates at kinder, and she hit one of her friends as well. Any help would be much appreciated. Thank you. So first, more information is definitely helpful because what I would want to do is ask a battery of questions to see if the behavior is in the range of normal or not, as there's a lot of variables here. So I would want to know more about the history of this behavior. What was it like before? When did you notice it getting worse? How, what is the difference between where it was before and at what age and now? Because she's been saying it's been 18 months. So what was it 18 months ago at two and a half versus now at four? How old is little brother? There may be some uh, sibling rivalry going on here. This could definitely be a trigger for the behavior. So there could be a lot of things going on here. And then I'd want to know, so what is the response to each scenario? What kind of emotional skills training is happening during times of quiet and times of calm? How does she react emotionally? What do these look like? What are the triggers? What's happening at the time? So these are all things I would want to know um, before I could do any kind of um, guidance or help to really dig into this. But so what I would say is this isn't what I would call typical behavior for a four-year-old, but it also doesn't mean there's anything diagnosable either. But in order to decipher, I'd need to know a lot more. So in order to get a better idea, I would start with the pediatrician and have the pediatrician do an initial behavioral assessment and then go by the pediatrician's recommendation as far as getting a further assessment with a psychologist or if it's just some things that they need to tweak at home and need some guidance on. So the parts I would say is saying you're mean, you're not my friend, this is very normal behavior. For a child who's feeling angry and doesn't know how to share their feelings in a different way, this is a way of saying that I'm feeling hurt. 
So there's a need there that they're trying to express. They want to feel heard. They want connection. They want to feel understood. So this is a way of reaching out and trying to get that. So this is very common behavior. And I've heard a lot worse than you're mean, you're not my friend. A lot of young kids, if they're feeling disconnected from their caregivers, they want more connection and they're just feeling like they're not getting what they're trying to ask for, then they will say things like, I hate you. They'll get much more, they'll get much more um, negative about it. So this is a very normal response. It's well within the range of normal. So it sounds like some guidance in how to share her feelings differently is definitely in order and that this can help with a lot of that. But there's definitely some feelings of, I don't feel heard, I don't feel understood that are definitely going on here. The screeching for 20 minutes a day and the opposition is what I would consider a little more outside the range of normal because as I shared from the last question, the peak of opposition is usually around two and a half and it usually dissipates after that. It may go till three for some kids, but by the time of four, it should be, um, be, dissipating. However, if she's feeling angry and misunderstood, this is a, a way of trying to get attention. Even negative attention is attention. So if she's feeling resentful and hurt and angry and doesn't have the skills to share them in a different way, this can really be a common way to respond. So one of the things you could work on is really focusing on the positive with her. When she does something that you see as positive behavior, when she shares her feelings appropriately, when she does something you appreciate, when she's helpful, you wanna tell her, you got dressed the first time I asked. That is so helpful. You helped clear your plate away the first time I asked. That is so helpful. Thank you for helping clean up after dinner. I really appreciate that. You want to give that positive feedback because you want to get in a positive feedback loop because right now it sounds like you're in a negative feedback loop. You want to get that turned around. So this, no matter what's going on, whether there's a diagnosis or not, that will definitely help. Just like I shared in the last question is you want to really work on those emotion skills in times when she is calm. You want to read books about emotions. You can do flashcards about emotions. You can talk about emotions. You can share your emotions. You can talk about other people's emotions. You want to talk about her emotions, good, bad, ugly. You want to talk about happy, joy, surprise, disappointed, frustrated. There's so many emotions. You want to talk about those. Yours, and hers throughout the day. You wanna read books about emotions. I think I already said that, but there's a lot of ways you can play games around emotions. You can play this silly faces game, making faces that are attached to certain emotions. Show me your happy face. Show me your excited face. Show me your grumpy face. Show me your sad face. Show me your frustrated face. And then you also will do the same thing. You sh she shows hers, you show yours. And then at the end you say, show me your silliest face. And then you get silly and make it a game and you laugh about it. She can draw about emotions. She can paint about emotions. You can listen to music and talk about what emotion does this feel like to you? Why don't we draw this emotion? What does this look like when we, when we draw it out on paper? So play different kinds of music, happy music, joyous music, upbeat, some classical that maybe is sad and heavy or jazz kinds of music and have her draw and paint about emotions. That's another, lots of ways to help kids learn about emotions and get in touch with their emotions. So I hope those are all lots of helpful tips. If you want to know more, you're interested in checking out any of the 60 classes that cover emotional development, social development, positive discipline, you can check those out on the website at yourvillageonline.com. 
You can also follow me for parenting tip videos on Your Village Online on Instagram or Your Village on Facebook. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.